big penis looking thing that you have to wait for the little uh, pieces to fall off, right? Is that tropical fruit? Glazer Farms ships them up here. I don't know if you guys look at me confused as all hell. <laughs> I, I'm talking about the Monstera plant. No, well, it is, the, it is from the Monstera plant. I think, okay. I, I, think I screwed up with penis fruit, but... <laughs> uh, What's up, my friends? Welcome back to another podcast. My name is Mike Perrine. This is the Everyday Detox Podcast. This one's a quickie, guys. I did a live Q&A at Bombery Bodega, if you remember from previous podcasts. Nicole Berry was on, and uh, this is her wellness bodega that has actually changed locations, but uh, this is one of the last few events that they did uh, in that location. And it was a live Q&A, very similar to what we do on Instagram. If you hang out uh, with us on Instagram and do the the Q&As, we just did it with a live audience. And it was really cool because... Uh, people flew in from other states. Uh, they also came in for treatments and visited me at the studio. Like it, it was, it was a big deal. It was a big deal for me. Uh, it meant the world for me. Uh, I'm really grateful. I want to thank Nicole for having me over to do that. Uh, we did another one just at the beginning of this year, 2020, where Gil and I did a live Q and A together, and we were actually the last event in that old location before they moved. So that will be coming up also on another podcast. Uh, the idea to release this as a podcast was kind of an afterthought. So I didn't set it up as a podcast. It was my first time doing an event with Nicole. I didn't want to show up with all my equipment and just make it difficult. So, and I wanted to feel it out and see how it went. So I mic'd myself and I just threw a little like lapel mic on myself. I recorded myself. So my voice will be crystal clear and loud and uh, the other voices may be a little bit muted, but I think um, it's totally, you'd be totally able to understand what everyone's asking from the audience, but it might be a little bit lower. And that's why it's like that because I didn't mic the whole room. Uh, I only mic'd myself. So uh, we're going to jump right into that one. But first, uh, I just want to thank everyone that's been watching and listening to this podcast because uh, it really means the world to me. And this is this podcast has been going on since 2014. We're going into six years now. And there was a there was like a one and a half year period when I was opening up Vitality. That's my newest studio. Uh, It's the biggest project I had ever done. And I was opening Vitality and I didn't podcast all that much. I might have released like one podcast or something. And I was going for a good couple of years. I was very consistent with uh, with releasing them. And then all of a sudden I just kind of stopped. And I wondered how it would be received when I started making episodes again. And I never wanted to stop. It was just life just got in the way. I was just working way too much and, and wasn't able to pull it off. And it means the world to me that people were still interested, not only on the return of the podcast, but even in its absence, there are people like my guy Jarno, who would leave me messages on YouTube all the time, like every six months for a two year period and be like, hey, Mike, when are you coming out with another podcast? Been waiting for you to come out with another episode. When's the next episode coming? And I'm like, wow, like it's like you. You haven't heard from me for almost a year and you still drop it in to check in and to see when another episode is coming. And that means the world to me. All the great positive feedback um, to help out this podcast. Please, if you're watching it on YouTube, uh, click the like button and uh, leave a nice comment. Uh, it definitely helps with uh, the ratings and, and getting the podcast seen by more people. Uh, if you're listening to this and you would not mind rating and leaving a review on the App Store, that helps tremendously as well. And it's so, so much appreciated. Uh, speaking of podcasts, 
I just want to give a shout out to another podcast. Uh, there's a restaurant that I used to work at in the 90s called The Organic Grill. So I had, when I was a chef, I was all in on the chef world. I was a vegan plant-based uh, chef that specialized in organic food and uh, natural cuisine. And uh, Angelica Kitchen was my primary home and place that I worked uh, for most of my career. But I also worked at another restaurant almost equally as long as Angelica Kitchen. Uh, and that's called The Organic Grill. And uh, when Chef Peter Savoni, who's been on this podcast before in the past, uh, we were running the kitchen together at one point. Uh, I was a pastry chef and doing a lot of brunch items. He was the head chef and he was doing uh, the, the savory items on the menu. Uh, and we won Best Vegan Restaurant by Time Out New York. I don't remember what year it was, but uh, at the time, and I think I'm pretty sure it was pre-internet or it was right before the internet was everything it is today. Uh, and there were definitely no smartphones then. Uh, at the time, getting that honor from Time Out New York was tremendous. Uh, and I think I think our food was right on the front cover too. Uh, but anyway, so we, I used to work at the Organic Grill and uh, the Organic Grill was not always an exclusively vegan restaurant. They had a few like eggs and fish things on the item, but it was a very plant-based restaurant. And then uh, right around the time of Angelica Kitchen closing, uh, Vladimir, who owns the Organic Grill, uh, he decided to make the switch and make it an all-vegan restaurant. And when he did that, it was just met with so much um, love and enthusiasm from the community. There was so much appreciation for him doing that, especially in the East Village, uh, which is it's kind of like a haven for or, uh, vegan organic food. Uh, and he did that, and it's become one of the most popular vegan restaurants in New York City right now. And they have a podcast called OG Talk. The OG is from Organic Grill. Uh, and Vladimir and his colleague, Eddie, who is... Uh, he's a comedian. Uh, they have guests come over to the restaurant in the morning before they open. They've had John Joseph on. They've had uh, Peter Savoni, who's been on this podcast, uh, Artie Lang and other comedians and actors and uh, people come on and they celebrate uh, plant-based living and, and focus on plant-based living and eating in that podcast. So I just wanted to give them a little shout out uh, because they're dear old friends of mine. And uh, I I think in the absence of these podcasts, that's a great podcast to listen to. A lot of the uh, similar themes and content and mindset are, are happening over there at the Organic Grill. Uh, what else has to happen here? Um, I'm going to not do a big thing on all of the ways to support this podcast. There's affiliate links below. Every product or service that I ever recommend are ones that I get value from myself. So uh, you can rest assured that I have received some sort of value from the things that I am recommending to you. Uh, so if you would like to support this podcast, please drop into the links below um, and either get some Next Level Body Work at Vitality or grab a t-shirt at Roots and Sky Clothing uh, and support us that way. And without anything else, I think we're done. Let's jump right on into this one. I hope you guys love it. How many people listen to the podcast or even know that there's a podcast? Oh, okay. Very good. Because like I ask because my Instagram is, yeah. people think it's like a lifestyle blog because I show chickens all day and smoothies and stuff, <laughs> but it was actually meant to be for the podcast. I'm just so behind schedule. And then people go, you have a podcast? And I'm like, oh, that was kind of the point of this Instagram account. There's, so. more, there's like a bench here fully empty too. Um, don't be shocked. Um, okay. So, well, Mike. You own Vitality in New York, which um, offers colonics, cryo, infrared. Tell me more about Vitality. So I've been doing, I've been a colon hydrotherapist for 17 years, and uh, I used to own a- What is it called? 
colon hydrotherapy? Oh yeah, okay. Right. I thought you said a colonizer. I wasn't a sure col- if there's like, <laughs> like a certain name for that, the like person. That's what the that's what the yeah. acupuncturists always call it. The Chinese acupuncturists yeah. come they go, my acupuncturist in Chinatown said said uh, no colonizing. No colonizing. <laughs> no, colon hydrotherapist. Yeah. Uh, for seventeen years. I used to own a studio down in um, in the East Village for a long time. I used to work with Gil Jacobs for many years. And then I sold the studio and I had a non-compete for a few years. And then once it, uh, the non-compete expired, uh, I had given a treatment to uh, one of my business partners and investors' wives. And she said, what are you doing with yourself these days? Your non-compete's about to expire. And I said, I think I'm going to go help my family up in Maine with some stuff and leave New York because I was kind of getting a little sick in New York. And she was like, the treatment was one of those, I don't know if you guys have all had colonics, but it was like that mind-blowing treatment. And she was like, no, no, no. Your non-compete expires in two months. We're going to get you all the money you need to open a new studio. And I said, yes. <laughs> so um, it's the biggest studio I've ever done. And it's in Midtown, which is a very interesting neighborhood. Uh, I thought the East Village was rough. <laughs> uh, so it's a very interesting neighborhood. But it's a little oasis in the middle of Midtown. And uh, we have amazing therapists. We do gravity colonics. We brought in cryotherapy, which at the time, three years ago, was just becoming popular. It's getting very saturated now because if you've ever experienced it, it's like it's next level. It's one of the most incredible things. So we see mostly people for colonics, cryotherapy, and infrared saunas. Amazing. And so let's just go back first from your journey. Um, Were you born into this life? Did you always, were you always interested in juicing as a kid? Were you, did your parents do this? Not at all. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I'm from the cleansing capital of the world, which is Staten Island, New York, the jewel of the Atlantic. (laughs) Yes. Uh, For some reason, myself, Tom DeVito, who works with me, who's been a therapist for 20 years, uh, Gil, who's been, he's like the guru of colonic therapy, Dr. Fred Bishy, who's uh, been a clinical nutritionist and eating a raw food diet for 50 years, are all from Staten Island. And if you know anything about Staten Island, it's like us and then Guido's. Like, it's just like the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing that, that came from there. But, um, you know, when I grew up there in New York in the 80s, there was just a lot of bad influences, made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, got very wrapped up into alcohol culture and used it to medicate anxiety. Uh, of course, like just having no self-responsibility or control, lots of bad food. There's pictures of me online looking horrible. I was about 60 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, but I was very young, I was 19. And uh, I, read, um, I read a book, uh, The Autobiography of Malcolm X. And when I read this book, it just totally opened my mind. I call it like almost like a spiritual awakening because I don't know, I didn't have any discipline. I was making bad choices. I was surrounded by people that were also doing the same things that I was doing. But something from that book, and it was really the lessons of self-responsibility that came from that, that just totally opened me up to stop drinking, stop smoking. I, st- I stopped eating pork. I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to model someone that, that I admired very much. So I, didn't have, I didn't have any connection to being Muslim. But I thought, well, Malcolm X knows what he's doing. And I was like 19 years old. I was like, I'm going to stop doing that. But one thing I started doing was educating myself. And I started educating myself about nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I went into a health food store looking for soy milk because I heard soy milk doesn't have cholesterol. That's good. Mm -hmm. Let me get soy milk. That that was the extent of my nutritional knowledge at the time. And I was in the, you know, I still remember where I was standing, family health foods in Staten Island. And I had a little thing of soy milk in my hand. And I was walking past a bookshelf. And I saw a book called Diet for a New America. And I picked it up. 
and I was like, I'm going to read this book. And I started reading it, and it was just like mind blown. Diet for a new America. America, yeah. I didn't know that animals were treated poorly. I didn't know that they, I, I mean, some part of me knew, but like I never thought about uh, the consciousness they have, the personalities they have, how much they suffer doing that. I didn't know that pesticides would accumulate in food and work up the food chain. So this was all new to me. So of course, like 48 hours later, I'm vegan. I'm like all in, I'm all in on vegan, you know? I'm like 19, I'm like college age, idealistic everything. The world has lied to me, you know? Like, so, uh, I totally rebelled, went right in and, uh, and I never stopped. And I went through intense detox processes. I lost about 60 pounds in three to four months. Everybody thought I was sick. My mom thought I was malnourished. And I was getting fevers all the time. My skin was horrible. Didn't know anything about a clinic. Didn't even know about getting a massage. Like that was just like spa work for me, you know? Right. Cryotherapy wasn't around. Had no connection to like bathhouses and saunas and that kind of treatment. So I just went through it. I just kept eating clean. And I remembered from high school a teacher that would talk about this guy, Dr. Fred Bishy, who was like this radical nutritionist that talked about how flour was bleached and, you know, dairy wasn't a human food. And I just kind of always remembered that. So I found out through a friend's father who he was. I called him up. I went in his office and he totally schooled me on nutrition. He put me on a diet that uh, a lot of people still practice today, like a food combining whole foods, plant-based diet, mostly raw diet. And I just went deeper into the cleansing work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's incredible. Then, about four years into it, I w was reading these books. I was like, I should feel like Superman. I'm reading these books. I'm eating all this organic food. I'm eating right. all this plant. I should feel like Superman. Right. I don't feel that great. Someone I knew was getting colonics. They said, hey, you want to come with me to this appointment? I said, okay. Meet Gil. Right. Don't stand outside. Come on in the room. <laughs> oh, okay, now I'm watching a colonic. <laughs> and he, you know, we started talking, and he's like, what's your deal? And I was like, well... I was like, yeah, man, I eat clean. I do all this stuff. He's like, yeah, I can tell. I see it in your face and stuff. And I was like, but I don't have all like this in in insane energy, you know? And I was like, maybe I, I was thinking maybe I should like eat some eggs or go back to eating fish. Nah, kid, you just need to take a big shit. Let's get you on the table next. <laughs> okay. So, you know, that's where I learned about how um, elimination has more to do with nutrition. And I was working as a chef at the time, so immersed in the food life, so immersed in organic food, used to cater the biodynamic farming conference. But I realized that you know, addressing what's going on in the gut was the number one way to affect the chemistry of the body. And I was like, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when it kind of synthesized. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I went to the school like two weeks later, like I was done and certified and I was like, Gil, give me a job. And he was like, wait, you already went. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so your handle is called everyday detox, right? Um, let's just like pull back before we, I'm sure there's so much like nitty gritty and minutia that we want to ask you. Um, but just like big picture, why detox? Like, why are we as, I feel like, I mean, throughout the 80s, 60s, 70s, you know, everyone has, there's always been a subculture of like health and wellness, of course, you know, but I feel like even more in the mainstream, detox, detox, everyone's looking to detox. What is it about detoxing that we're so interested in and why, do you think? Well, it's because we went away from the natural way for, that humanity lives. So anytime we take a departure from the food that we were meant to eat, or we create chemistry that the body's never seen before, like chemicals and the factories and the exhaust, 
there's um, an accumulation that starts to happen in our tissue. And that's why everybody starts to feel really toxic over time. And we actually acclimate to it, but you notice that we uh, will start dying younger and younger. Have you seen the colon cancer screening things? Now they want uh, people in their, yeah, in their 30s yeah. to start screening for colon cancer. So we're getting weaker and weaker because things are getting more and more out of balance from what we did. So that's what the emphasis on. The body wants to exist in the most perfect state possible. We don't have to do anything. We just got to get out of the way. Problem is we get in the way all day. First with food, but then also with environment. And then of course thoughts and technology and all that come into play, emotions. But more so the first thing is food and then the next thing is the environment like pollution and where we decide to live. Mm -hmm. So once that stuff starts to enter our body and accumulate, it starts to create problems even though it's like it's amazing that we all live in New York City and we're alive. When you think about like a one degree temperature change from global warming will kill off an entire population of fish and then the bacteria that they, like it just goes to, but human beings for some reason can do insane things with like pharmaceuticals, yeah. recreational pharmaceuticals, you know, everything and we're still here. It's, you know? It is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, so, big picture, what is the philosophy that you follow when it comes, let's say like you talked about environment and particularly food, right? So what is the food philosophy that you follow um, to, um, as in a broad sense, in a, for, for someone who's not, who's new to this? I mean, the broadest way to think about it is that like everyday detox, that name came out of consistency. Like, it, like everything is based on consistency. Detoxification doesn't happen, in, at, like it's not an event that happens, right? It's, a, it's something that needs to be maintained all the time. Uh, and it's a marathon, not a sprint. So things do happen miraculously. Like sometimes someone will have some issue, colitis or something, or even cancer. And then all of a sudden they do like this one thing, they juice fast one time and all of a sudden the tumor dissolves. Like that happens, but for most people it's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a marathon. It's like when people look at Dr. Bishy at 90 years old and go like, oh my God, what's your secret? What do you do? He was practicing that secret in the 70s. Yep. You know what I mean? People look at Gil, oh, you look so young for your age, you look so great. That happened in the 80s. Right. And when people, sometimes people compliment me, oh, your skin looks great or you look good or whatever. It started in 25 years ago when I got into this at 19, right? So it's just, it's compound interest of consistency of clean living. Now what that looks like for everyone it's that there's Various. variables all over the place, depending yeah. on what you like, what you like to do. Right. Yeah. Some people, there's non-negotiables. I must drink wine. I must drink coffee. I must eat chocolate. Like those are the three. Hey, no, how those, you doing? Three. <laughs> yeah. Those are like the three biggies that I hear all the time. Yeah. Um, other people have no interest in being vegan. Uh, you know, and some people do. So that it all depends on, on what you want to do with it. But right. So you at Vitality or just also online, you've coined the term like the broom salads and the broom smoothies. I can't take too much credit for that. Okay. I think I stole that from Arnold Errett. I've not read the Mucus's okay. Diet for a long time. He but might I... come out of the grave to come get me. Yeah, <laughs> he might come. <laughs> yeah. But okay, fair enough. Um, but you've revived Arnold Errett's broom smoothies and cleanses. Tell us about like what is the concept with of a broom drink or meal? Well, um, a lot of the, the broom foods are that fruits and vegetables that are chosen. Like when I developed the Vitality Broom Cleanse, buy, by the way, if, if nobody has it, it's free. You can go to my Instagram link, download it, totally free. Uh, it's a series of recipes and an explanation as to how all this works. Uh, but the, the broom ingredients are selected based on their fiber, enzyme, and acid profiles and how they sweep, absorb, and dissolve waste through the center of the body. Hey, what's up, Daphne? How you doing? Um, so that's why I chose those ingredients. And they're things like carrots, beets, celery, um, fennel, 
pineapple's a huge one, apples are great. An apple a day keeps the doctor away because it makes you shit, right? Not the vitamin C's a little bit of it, the rest of it is because it sweeps waste out of the body. And, and it's as simple as that, the broom foods. You know, I mean, baby greens and stuff are great, enzymes, minerals, all that, but you know, it's not ultra cleansing like those other ones are. And not everybody needs ultra cleansing broom foods, but a lot of people starting out would benefit from using them. Yeah. So going back to the concept of everyday detox, a lot um, of th that we hear, you know, in this day and age are kind of like the extremes, like the uh, the doing going hard on the week, weekend warriors type deal, and yeah. then going back on the week during the week and like being really clean, and then you know stock graft dieting up, up down up down up down. down yeah exactly and so the juice cleanse has become so popular, you know, yeah. and the master cleanse we talked about yesterday and mm -hmm. the, the, the water fasting and all that, those are really extreme things. And what I really like about following you is you, you do talk about consistency. You talk about the everyday detox. So what does that look like? Let's say for, not necessarily for you, because we'll talk, I want to, I want to talk about what you do personally too, but for someone who, and I think that everyone here is probably somewhat familiar into this lifestyle you know they're not coming from mm. necessarily like you know hot dogs and burgers maybe maybe not but um if you're somewhat into this life you know what does an everyday detox look like the way i like to set it up is i'm really into what now has a name intermittent fasting uh never had a name before but the more distance we create between meals but particularly the evening meal and the morning meal it really allows us to get out of the way of what the body wants to do and now, and now with all the studies that are going into like these short fasts, these intermittent fasts, um, they're showing how uh, the body will even find damaged DNA, which could replicate and turn to cancer, and it'll find those damaged cells and it'll destroy them and pull them out of the body in that time period of, of absence of food. And why is that? Because the body has the energy to go inward. It, like, so like when we cut ourselves, we don't have to do anything. It'll heal up on its own. We just ignore it and the body takes care of it. It does that, it cleans house and repairs damage internally as well right. on a cellular level. Yeah. But we always just get in the way. We keep damaging most of, if, if we're practicing, you know, what's happening uh, with like the standard American diet and, uh, and, and modern pollution. Like we're always bombarding it with toxicity and we're never giving it a break because people eat all day, usually till they go to sleep. They fall asleep on food, they wake up, they eat a heavy breakfast and the body's always trying to catch up. So what does it start doing? It starts accumulating more waste, starts putting on more weight, and then all of a sudden things start popping up. Sometimes they pop out of the skin, sometimes they pop up internally and in some type of disease, so. Um, you're talking a lot about elimination, right? And yeah. um, the absence, you know, having like flow, you know, in, in the body. But what do you say to those, to those people who say, well, body eliminates naturally. Why do we need any sort of boost, you know, such as a colonic? Well, it does eliminate naturally for most people. I love when I see like a doctor go like, well, body eliminates naturally and nobody needs like a colonic. And I'm like, do you know my clients that like come to me that come from doctors that are like, they gave me laxatives. I haven't shit in a week and I haven't like, right. not everybody eliminates naturally because right. of this, uh, well, there's emotional reasons, there's all sorts of reasons, but a lot of it is because of these lifetimes of eating foods that we were never meant to see. So everything starts to get effed up in the, in the, in the core. Uh, but it is a natural system, right? And if we were just walking around on the earth with zero pollution, drinking water, eating roots and things, and eating our, our, our regular diet, squatting when we go to the bathroom, nobody would need to do a colonic. Interestingly, when they started 
uh, doing bowel cleansing was like uh, around the time of agriculture. Mm -hmm. And the reason that cultures developed that, like I think uh, you see evidence of it um, from ancient Egypt, you see it in the Essene Gospels about talking about doing cleansing internally, you see it in the ancient yogic scriptures where they would take a reed, put it in the backside, go in the ocean and draw up salt water and do their, what is that called when they, uh, it starts with an N, I forgot, that yogic exercise, then they would flush it out into the ocean, right? So that all started because of agriculture. That was grain, rice, wheat, having excess animal fat because now everybody's collecting animals and raising them and eating them. So there's no more, there's no more activity. There's no more uh, living in balance with the environment. Now there's like everything we want, starch, fat, protein, in this excess level. And then they started to think about, oh, we got to clean this up. So that's where it started. Yeah, it comes from not, it comes from not living in balance. But, but there's a lot of things that are not natural, like lifting heavy weight uh, repetitively is not natural, but they're good for us. Getting a massage technically is not natural, like right. different chiropractic adjustments are not natural, right? So, uh, but they can have a benefit, yeah. And also holding uh, waste beyond a 24-hour period, beyond a 24-hour transit, is completely unnatural. So, so yeah. talking about waste, what, what does the ideal elimination look like? Ideal is a 24 to 28-ish transit time, meaning from mouth to exit, moves in, absorb nutrition, work through, hang out in the large intestine for a little while, feed the microbiome, absorb metabolic waste, and then drop out to some degree. So basically you want to see, and there's a test uh, that we have, it's called the, the transit time test, it's a sesame seed test, um, where you basically want to see dinner coming out by dinner. Right? By the next dinner. Yeah. Right. Doesn't matter how many bowel movements you have. Some people just go once a day, some people go three times a day, but you want that transit there. Mm -hmm. Now, if it hangs on a little bit longer, if you skip a day, like it doesn't matter. But what I've found through colonic therapy is when we do the transit time test, I still remember this person that was in phenomenal shape. She almost like broke my rib once hugging me. She was a bodybuilder. She's a good friend of mine. She was on my podcast. Her name's Natalia Maldonado. She's amazing. Uh, and she goes, I'm going to do, she goes, I'm going to do this transit time test you want me to do. I said, okay, cool. And I could see, because of, you know, she had abs, but I can see the retention. Bodybuilder, lots of chicken and chicken dinners and uh, protein powders and all that stuff. And I could see the pressure there. So when I finally saw her for the podcast, she came and she said, you know, I did that transit time test. She goes, it was a four day transit. And I'm like, okay, well you're doing three meals a day plus snacks plus protein shakes times that by four and that's what you have being held back by that ab. That's why all the bodybuilder people I know, they usually end up with type, some type of inflammatory bowel disease. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when we're talking about easing into this diet, and you talked about intermittent fasting as one, yeah. what would like an, an easy way going into this lifestyle be? Not going like fully full throttle right away. What I, like, so what I want everyone to think of is salad is the new rice. So you make a salad that looks like one of the salads in there and, like, <clears throat> so you, and you eat that as the bulk of the meal and then you eat whatever you want. I always tell the Pat the Plumber story. Holly's probably watching this right now, my wife, and she's probably like, oh, Pat the Plumber again. Because <laughs> she's always like, you're going to talk about Pat the Plumber? Uh, Pat the Plumber built my first colonic units in my first studio in the East Village. When I met him, he was 465 pounds and as soon as he got out of the truck, I was like, oh. But he was from Staten Island. I was from Staten Island. In two minutes, we were best friends. And I was like, so dude, what's up with all this, with all this heaviness? Like, what, what's going on? Told me about his whole life, all the struggles, right? We got him to, he would juice with us all day. And then he's like, Mike, what do I do? He's like, I'm a food addict. I used to be like a narcotics addict and an alcoholic. And he's like, I don't do any of that anymore. 
He's like, but I need to like lose this weight. Now I just eat, that's my reward. I work all day, I wanna eat something. He would order from two different pizzerias because he was embarrassed about the volume of food coming from each and he knew that when he opened the door that they would know it was all for him and like that, it was very embarrassing for him. So uh, I said, okay, do this. And I told him to uh, make steamed vegetables, a big raw salad, eat as much as you want. He was getting a dressing from Pathmark. It had like sugar and sunflower oil in it. It was just not, not a good dressing. But he was doing that. He would drink juice all day and crystal light. Then he would eat the salad and steamed vegetables. Yeah. Then he would eat fried chicken. And he went in a five-week period from 465 to 385. It was the first time he'd ever gone below 400. And he was still eating like chicken wings at night. He wasn't doing steamed chicken breast. You know, his food cravings were too much. But that was enough for him. Just getting, just making, instead of, you know, just eating like pizzas and chicken and all this stuff, he was what Dr. Fred Bishy would call taking the antidote before the poison. So he was changing the way he was digesting food. The fiber was carrying it through. He was creating a little bit of alkalinity. He was hydrating and drinking juice with, with us all day, which was good. He wasn't, a, he wasn't really a lunch eater. He used to eat pork rinds and Crystal Light. Now I got him on juice and Crystal Light. It worked, right? Uh, and, that's, and is that something that's important when you're embarking on a cleansing lifestyle? Is it important <coughs> to do a subtle shift versus, let's say you're like, you woke up like, like you did, and you're like, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go be like... Everything happening with the Amazon, we have a lot of people saying, I'm going to go vegan immediately. You know, is right. there, is that good I or think, not so good? I think to go vegan immediately yeah. is fine. Okay. I think that's a very good thing. I think yeah. it's good for everything. Um, uh, but to trans but to like go all in and find out about raw foods and go, so like, I just say like, if there's no urgency, like if it's like driving, it's like, you know, if you're driving and, and you have no points on your license and you make a UE on the double line, like, no, there's not, no problem. But if you got points on your license, meaning disease or something, you might have to pay attention to like the little nuances of this and really work it if you're trying to change your whole chemistry around. But if there's no urgency, just have fun with it. Don't obsess over food combining stuff. Have fun with salad dressings like Pat. Like he's like, I really like this one. Will it work? And I'm like, three weeks ago, you, you weren't eating any vegetables. Like, yes, it'll work. It'll be fine, you know? And what are like the subtle signals to your body when you want to? So like let's, you, let's say you do make that shift. Let's say you weren't having as much raw vegetables in your diet and you are and you're, you're okay, good, you've, you've seen things. What's, what are signals that our body tells us that we can start to play a little harder? If you're getting improvement with no detoxification symptoms, you can keep moving. Yeah. You can do it. If everything's working, if you're doing everything like, you know, quote unquote right, like whatever that is, and it's working, just keep going with it. Yeah, you don't have to hold yourself back from it. And if you do start to get symptoms, enter into them and assist your body with cleansing and try to move through it if that's your desire. You know, sometimes they get really intense for people. I mean, it depends on where you're at. So like I was 19 years old, so my body can handle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can handle you know, I was had all bowel stuff. I had fever, lots of fevers and body aches for like years going out of it. But I also had a very uh, toxic history with chemicals and stuff uh, because of some jobs I did. But, um, you know, if most people are starting out 40s, 50s or something, you know, if you have a long history of that, you might want to bring it back a little bit. You know, don't, be, don't go on a raw food diet. No need to really do a juice cleanse past three to 10 days. I like doing them even though they're extreme for people because sometimes it changes everything for them mentally. Look at Rich Roll. Anybody know who Rich Roll is? He's got a podcast. Yeah. He's, uh, he was like a, a very out of shape lawyer with a, uh, he really wasn't happy with his life. Did a juice fast and like it just shifted something in him and now he's this plant-based athlete. So I like it for that reason, but I don't, I don't, but for the long term, 
uh, it's probably better to transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are some symptoms, you mentioned symptoms, about like when you're needing assistance in cleansing, what would that look like? Headaches, skin issues, fever and body ache, wanting to vomit, um, bowel issues. And that's yeah. not lack of nutrition? I used to eat probably, God, probably 10 times more food than I eat now when I first started, and I cleansed so hard, you know? And I thought maybe I lacked nutrition the first time I went to see Gil. Then I paid attention to the elimination, uh-huh. and now I eat almost nothing, especially when I'm working. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, everything's, energy's fantastic. Um, even when I'm sleeping four or five hours a night only, you know, and I'm like working all day and stuff, not a problem at all. Right. But that wasn't the case initially. You know, I felt like I needed more food. We got to be careful with this, but sometimes the need for excess food is just an emotional thing, or it's it, it's something that we're just very familiar with, and it's hard to break away from that. It, it, this was hard for me too, like, and and it was something that I, I prefer to not even think about, like, or to recommend people think about, like this under eating idea. I mean, think about that when you're like 70 or 80, but your body because it, it helps when someone's older, but. Um, your body will find it. I always had food cravings. I became a chef because I wanted to be vegan and I was making really bland food at home and I was becoming obsessed with the food thing and I just wanted a brownie. You know, I wanted like, I remember sitting in a class um, in college and I was like, I really just want a brownie. And I was like, I'm gonna go to culinary school. I found the pamphlet for the Natural Gourmet Institute for Food and Health. And it was so much fun and it was so great. Um, and I had an amazing time with it. Wait, where was I going with that? Um, I got, I'm all the way back in 1997 and I'm really, oh, under eating, right? So, you know, so I had all these cravings. Brownies. brownies. Back to brownies. That's like very I think you were giving us a brownie recipe. Uh, I just heard brownies and I brought Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, and, and then there was all this chatter in the raw food thing that became popular, and it was about eating less and all this stuff. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to eat less. I'm hungry all the time. I just went from all this sensational food. I finally got comfortable with all this cooked macrobiotic food and whole wheat uh, vegan brownies and shit. And, like, now I got to, like, eat less. And... Uh, and Dr. Bishop used to say, you know, pray to God for mastery over your food. Okay, I, that, that, I get it. But, but over time, when I got into the cleansing, the, it, it, your body takes you there. So your body will start pushing you forward. And suddenly, all of a sudden, I had less of a desire for food. Too much food didn't make me feel good. If I ate grains, I got all snotty and congested. And, I'm like, you know, and all of a sudden, everything started to self-adjust to where I'm fine not eating. But I let my body kind of take me there so I do you do quality first and then you worry about quantity later mm-hmm. so I was just working with someone today that uh, they came in for a consultation and they're starting the day with like bacon egg cheese type of stuff and it moves on to more greasy greasy stuff you know like it moves through that and I was just talking to her about I was like we're doing all quality because if we start thinking about portion stuff and all that I was like it's going to be it's going to be a Weight Watchers nightmare it's going right. to be like it's going to be that thing where you're wanting something else you're hating the salads I was like, I got her doing the salads, I got her doing steamed vegetables, doing broom cleanse dressings. And then I was like, if you're happy with that, good. If you're not, that's when you come in with a, you know, whole wheat pasta and all that. Like, I want you to eat food that you like. Mm-hmm. Just make sure it's quality, though. Don't be eating white pasta with Parmesan cheese on it, because that's going to really keep accumulating on you. Now that we're there on like quality, what are some high quality foods versus more like heinous foods uh, <laughs> that we want to focus on? Like, uh, hey there, how you doing? Hi. Good. Um, in, you mean in like the cleansing life, like that kind of food or like? Yeah, let, let's, let's talk about like, um, other than obviously organic fruits and vegetables, which are of course amazing. Um, when it comes to like a little less vibrational foods, like grains, nuts, seeds, what are ones that we like, what, that, that you like to focus on? 
I do, I really think that, Nell, just, okay? Just don't jump over here and punch me in the face. Uh, I, really, I really think that one of, the, one of the greatest injustices to veganism right now is the Impossible Burger and some of these fake meats. Because I think, because it's such a highly processed food, I think in the long term, it's, it, I think it's not gonna look good on vegans as far as health. I don't, I don't think it is. I think whole foods, plant-based diets are really the best way. Whether or not someone needs grain, if they like grain or whether or not, you know. But um, great for transition, but use it in a small window. But if someone's eating that stuff, like it's never a good look. I look at Instagram all the time and I, and I see all of these places, especially like on uh, the West Coast and stuff, and they're doing all this like amazing gourmet stuff, but like, or, or like vegan bakeries, where there's like lots of refined flour, vegan butter, uh, and I, they just don't look healthy to me. I have, I remember I had to remember like when I was do, first doing colonics, I was, I was a pastry chef at Angelica Kitchen when it was still around. And, uh, but I was into raw foods primarily, even though I was still eating a piece of tofu cheesecake and stuff here or there, I was into, because of Dr. Vichy raw food and my interns were not. So they would be eating like muffins and croissants for breakfast, tofu sandwich for lunch. They'd be eating some like, like lots of heavy cooked stuff, refined stuff. And they were like very pale and pasty and they were very, they had a lot of weight on their body. And then I would, and they're all vegan, you know? And, they, and, and everybody likes the finger wag from the vegan community to like the people that eat meat that they're, that they're so unhealthy. But then I would have athletic clients that would eat lots of raw food. They would eat uh, lots of vegetables, some whole grains, and they would eat some animal protein and they were in phenomenal shape. Could run circles around the vegans. Heart health was probably so much better. And I was like, really just trying to put it in perspective and, and, and understand that like when we're eating all of these, um, if you're eating heavy processed foods or a diet heavy in grain and beans and not enough raw plant food, that it's an unnatural diet as well. Especially the processed stuff. Let's say you're not 100% raw. What are the high, highest quality grains and legumes that one can incorporate into a diet? For grains, I think quinoa, millet, and wild rice are probably the ones that move through the body the easiest. They're a little less starchy than the other ones. Brown rice is good too. Um, whole wheat and spelt, I think, are fine, but most people don't like to eat them whole grain. They like to make flours out of them. Most people don't eat a bowl of whole wheat. They just don't, you know. Um, uh, even oatmeal is fine. Totally cool if you're gonna eat grains. Just make sure they're whole, organic, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I get this question a lot, and I'm sure you do too. What is the difference between juicing and smoothies? I get that. I still get that question all the time. Yeah. It's just a totally different concept. So juicing is extracting all the liquid out, so there's no digestion. Blending is blending to a point where your teeth don't have to do any work, and your body, it, they're very close, but they're not the same. Where, your, teeth, where you, you don't have to do, your teeth don't have to do anything, and there's maximum absorption, but the fiber's present. That's all it is. It's just a different thing. One is really easy to digest food, and one is a very supplemental, almost medicinal um, uh, drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So and they, which one would you recommend every morning? To start for, is this for a beginner? Because I would start with Yes, for a beginner. It's a lot easier to blend. And you, you'll notice that I show, all, I don't show juicing that much on my Instagram account, but I'll show blending smoothies and stuff all the time. It's just so much easier to do. Right, so, so it's a great gateway for people to start making their thing. Um, but both, really. Um, take us through a day in your life. With food, huh? Um, first thing I do, wake up, I drink a big glass of water. It's so, you know, I tried to do a what I eat in a day video and I put it on, I should take it off YouTube. Because it was like, the, I, it's, there's never a good day, right? So I was like, 
I started well, and there's a big glass of water, and then I think I had a juice. I, I didn't have juice that day, but so ideally, big glass of water, and then I'll have a juice maybe. So I, it could be like 18 hours from dinner. Like it could be a long time, mm -hmm. you know, almost 20 hours. Then I'll have a juice, and then I'll have one of my fruit smoothies maybe after that, or like I might I do one or the other. And then sometime after that, I do a salad, some steamed vegetables, some avocado, mm -hmm. and that's it. What's one it's of your that favorite simple. broom dressings, or do you go the, the favorite one that almost everybody makes is the basil dressing, but you can make it with anything. It's just greens. So I'll go get garlic scapes out of the garden, and I'll get some tarragon, and if we have basil, basil. If not, I'll use dill. You can use cilantro in it. It's like any herbs you want. Mm -hmm. It's delicious, and it's a great way to just kind of get a lot of these medicinal greens blended up and, and incorporate it into your food. But that's the one everybody makes. That's the one everybody sends me and tags me in and like, mm -hmm. they love that one. That's amazing. Then there's really easy ones that you could just shake up that are really easy. Mm -hmm. um, the dressings aren't purist either. Mm -hmm. So like there's a little bit of maple syrup in them. I've created this thing where we have, we have the right, because I'm creating it so that we want to eat the food, right? There's, there's, from food combining perspectives and from like, you know, raw food purist perspectives, there's other dressings you could make, right? But this is designed that with ingredients that everybody knows, everybody can get, and it's gonna be a little sweet, a little acidic, a little salty, and it's gonna make you wanna keep eating things that we would normally see as bland, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the basil one is the, is the one everybody tags me in though. Really? Yeah. Um, when it comes to self-carry things, body work, that sort of thing, other than colonics, what do you love? And what do you recommend to your clients? The one that has become very popular, like cold therapy is one of the most incredible things ever. Cold immersion is so great. A cold shower every day. It boosts. Do you take a cold shower every day? I do, yeah. yeah. I do, you hot, don't do hot showers? I do a hot first. Okay. Because just the soap thing, I gotta like get it right. off. And, and also, I, you know, I build up a lot of tension sometimes, so I like to, I like the expansion and the contraction. So right. one of the reasons people get, and this is one of the things that they totally dropped the ball, that nobody saw, they dropped the ball on this with cryo. Like they'll talk about, oh, it makes you lose weight or it's great for your skin or it boosts your mood. And like they have all these like little marketing things. And I realized that they really dropped the ball on the detoxification part of this. So when we, and they know this from like the Russian bathhouse and the Turkish bathhouse, when we expand and contract, there's a, there's a whole body cellular contraction and uh, the, the cell wall, the cell membrane will decrease its surface area to conserve heat. And when it does that, it pushes wastes and gases out of it. So it's really nice to kind of expand. And then I go right to cold when I'm done because I like the shock of it and then my body totally contracts and they, that's what that's what a cold plunge is at a bathhouse it's the exact same thing and you could do this on a daily basis and your body will start to get used to it so it's a whole system um, uh, detox process but you'll notice immediately the first like you might not notice like the heavy metals moving out of your tissue or something but you're going to notice the inflammation drop because it's going to squeeze all of the fluids out of that tissue Right, that's what hot cold is like with a um, so you don't need physical a therapist sauna or a cryo tank necessarily at your home. You can take a hot and cold shower. Yeah, now the infrared goes much deeper as far as a sweat, and a cryo tank is totally different than a cold shower, though. Right. Yeah, <laughs> cryotherapy is it, it's a dry experience, so it can get much colder because uh, water can conduct it or fluid can conduct its temperature into the body like 20 times more effectively than air can. Right, so you could stand a negative 250 degrees for three minutes and the surface of your skin knows 
that there's something terribly wrong. Your mind knows, like, oh no, it's cool, I'm chatting with Kyle and, and Lale, and we're all laughing, and I got a minute left, and it's fine, but your skin has no idea. So it starts sending a chain reaction through the body to keep you alive. It boosts norepinephrine, it boosts the immune system, uh, it contracts um, all the blood vessels, it contracts the cells, it's trying to conserve heat. One of the ways it helps people lose weight is repetitive cold exposure. Uh, will cause the body to create more mitochondria in the cells or in the uh, in the fatty tissue, and that uh, when we have more mitochondria, we can use oxygen more effectively. We can basically create energy. We burn calories more effectively. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a long-term adaptation of it. That's super interesting. Yeah. So cold therapy. Any other things that you like to do? I really like to do, and this is this is almost for reasons of peace and like mental work too is the, the Wim does everybody know who Wim Hof is he's like super popular he does his thing I started doing his breath technique and it helps me so much and it's blissful it's like getting high getting high on your own supply kind of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so incredible so that's a great practice I'm sure if I think more I mean I could think about it but um yeah aside from fitness and cold immersion and the breath work like that's kind of because there's so many things we could do you know, I could get in the sauna all day. We could get colonics all day. You know, like it's yeah. like there's so many things to do that are beneficial. Like those are the ones that I focus on. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to open up to the questions because I know I'm sure that you guys have a lot. I'm just going to do a quick rapid fire with you. Okay. And you can just answer your, the first thing that comes to mind. Um, what about a workout? I re well, I'm off my workout game right now because okay. I'm traveling for two weeks. But. Yeah. What I really love to do, warm up on the rebounder. I stopped running because I just, first of all, I hate running. Just, I fucking hate it. I hate it, but I, I was running a lot last winter uh, and I realized I was like, I fucking hate this. So uh, uh, I don't love running, but I warm up, warm up on the rebounder. Uh, and then I like to do things that are fun. I like to do um, battle ropes, mace training. I'm really big into mace training. That's like when you have a, a big um, staff with a, with a ball, sometimes at 10 pounds, 15 and 20 pounds and uh, you have to stabilize them so you could swing them and do all sorts of like exercises with them. And it's just a lot more fun to me than like standing there and mm -hmm. I'm not that guy, I was never that guy. Uh, so I like to do mace training, battle ropes, a lot of mat work, mm -hmm. uh, dips, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, we talked about body work. What about favorite restaurant in New York when you come to visit? They're both gone right now. Oh. Yeah, they're both gone right what now. What were they? For cooked food, it was Angelica Kitchen because I'll tell you, that's like my hometown high school. Yeah. Like I was there on closing night. Oh. I would, yeah, it was, it was like a big, like I made friendships yeah. there for life. Like, and I, and they really led the way for like all of this. Yeah. Like they, they were the first organic vegan farm to table type of thing. Yeah. And, and like for real, like the, the, the ethics that that place had that Leslie created, it was like such a game changer. That's the, that's the New York that I love. And I remember so much when I worked there, I worked there for seven years and, and it was just, it was so great. Um, and then Pure Food of Mine, that was my favorite vegan raw food vegan restaurant ever i think in new york really and that was it so how do you nourish yourself now or do you just not? like here in new york yeah i go to i it's uh i go to whole i well i work when i come into new york i work a lot 16 yeah. hour days yeah. and like you know i don't have a lot of time for anything so um <coughs> i go to whole foods i buy a box of pre-washed baby greens uh -huh. i buy tomatoes uh -huh. I buy some cashews, I throw it in a bowl, I buy some sauerkraut, and I put a little olive oil, sea salt, and a squeeze of lemon, and that's my dinner. Okay. Yeah, and then the rest is all juices and fruits that I, that I buy at those, you know. But I just keep it super simple. Yeah. But I'm here, like, I'm on a mission, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. at home, I might play around a bit, I make my smoothies, I show them on Instagram, I do all that stuff. Not yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. uh, favorite blender? Vitamix. Vitamix. Yeah, love it. 
Um, we're coming into fall a little bit, so favorite fall seasonal vegetables. I mean, I do love squash and stuff like that, but um, I'm more of a summer vegetable person. I don't know if I have any fall favorites. Really? I don't. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't. I love the heat. Every time the fall would come in New York, I'd think about our six-month winter, and I'd uh -huh. just be like, shit, am I going to eat apples for the next six months, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, you do post about your tropical food um, deliveries. So. Those, those are gifts, by the way. I don't order that on the reg. <laughs> my <laughs> wife will be like, you're a good guy. I'm getting you a gift this month, you know, and then uh, I'll get a little But what's something. your favorite tropical, like exotic fruit? My favorite fruit of all time that made me feel like a like, this is going to sound so crazy, but I've said it on podcasts, that made me feel like a real human doing human things. Because I grew up in New York, in New York City, and I remember standing in Hawaii the first time and having a jackfruit and eating it, and it was just like flavors that were, to me, and I'm, I'm like making this so weird, but like, it, it was like, it was that thing where like, this is our relationship to the earth, and this tree wanted me to smell this thing, because you could smell it from like way across the jungle, and it wanted me to eat it so that I could throw its seed over here and it tastes amazing and it like it was this whole sensation of like it was a religious experience and I was like I was like this is kind of where it's at so that's always been my favorite that's fruit amazing. yeah um, go to juice right now for you uh, right now what I do what I love what I make um, what I make in Oregon now uh, that I have time uh, fennel and fennel tops the giant tops I buy these beautiful ones from the farmers market that with uh, apple, lemon, celery, and kale. But like the fennel overpowers it. Like I love sweet fennel juices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about smoothies? I mean smoothie, like your go-to smoothie right now. Yeah, there's really, there's kind of like, well this, the one right now is watermelon with berries and either lavender or the different mints that I grow. And that's so dope. There's so, watermelon and cherry is so great. I make smoothies like that, very fresh. For the summer, uh, then I get into citrus and berry smoothies. Mm. So I do like blended oranges. Um, sometimes I put green powders in them. I ruin them with green powders because it always tastes uh, a little too green. Which uh, green powder? I love Health Force. Uh, sun food is good too, but Health Force products are the best, I think. Yeah. Mm. Um, like vitamin or green or greener grasses, like those two I'll put in there. Uh, and then when it's like a day that I feel like I want something a little heavier, I'll do banana berry ice creams. A lot of banana ice creams. Bananas and berries, or sometimes I'll do a cacao one if it's that kind of day, where it's like cacao and maca and bananas and some cacao nibs. Or I'll blend in a whole bunch of fresh mint and cacao nibs, and it's like a banana mint chip thing. Mm -hmm. So like those are the ones that I almost always do. What's the secret to making good banana ice cream? Uh, almost breaking your Vitamix. <laughs> it almost always breaks, you know, and you, you got to use the plunger. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, one trick is to not add water, although I add water a lot out of laziness, but if you have ripe bananas, blend them first, let those be the liquid, and then add frozen, so then it's all banana. That's a good trick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, uh, what about like body wash and soap and stuff like that? Like, what do you use? Dr. Bronner's? Yeah. Oh, wait, no, I actually don't use that anymore. Uh, Holly, my wife, has something that's like, super it's got like little lavender things in it and stuff like, i don't know the brand but it's yeah. really good yeah i'm not that at like into you're not like into like do you do you make sure that it's non-toxic or does it not oh yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah no i don't use like dove or something something yeah. like that no we use like natural organic stuff i just don't know the brand for the uh -huh. for the thing i use a bar of soap like i got no hair you know i got i got nothing major to do there's one thing that i guess i have a product now yeah. but uh i use this uh, only one thing and that's the be yummy skin food from live live is the best 
moisturizing cream. Mm -hmm. I say face cream because if you're putting it all over your body, you just you're rolling deep with money. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's very expensive. It is, yeah. It yeah. Um, but I just put that on my face. Sometimes I'll put essential oils in that and dilute them, and uh, it's just great. It's just mm -hmm. it's not greasy. It's not oily. I'm not you know I shine a little bit in the summer, but like not too bad. What about toothpaste? Um, Browners. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to open it up to questions online and IRL. Um, yes. Yeah, so I guess on the colonic realm or just like sweeping, I've come across like say bitter gourd or certain types of like white mushroom that really do the trick as far as clearing all that stuff out. You mean, a, you mean on your own or like on in prep own, for a colonic? Own, oh, okay. On your own, and then I guess as a prep to colonic too, if that, if that, with that in mind. But how do you know if you would, to go that round first or to go down the route of like an herbal formula? Well, herb- I feel like they're doing, they're, one is food and one is herbs. So do you go food first then herbs or maybe herbs and then do the, the last remains. Well, even bitter gourd, there's com if, if it, any food that makes you go to the bathroom has some laxative effect. So like um, beets make you poop because they have oxalic acid in it. If you've ever had Monstera, that big penis looking thing that you have to wait for the little uh, pieces to fall off, right? It's that tropical fruit. Glazer Farms ships them up here. I don't know if you guys look at me confused as all hell. <laughs> I, know that, I thought you were talking about the Monstera plant. No, well, it is, the, it is from the Monstera plant. I think, okay. I, I, think I screwed up with penis fruit, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, but anyway, loaded with oxalic acid, so sometimes you'll see it come out of you like in, in like a few hours, and you're like, wow, that was fast, you know. So bitter gourd probably, I, I, don't, I don't know what they are, but bitter gourd, I'm sure, especially, you're eating it raw? It would be raw. Yeah. Or, or it could be juiced and then taken as a juice, but I honestly don't know how safe it is to kind of do that as a, because it's really known as a master sweep. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way. The bitter gourd, you know, if you, if you bite into it, 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 that's not a food, right? You know, you're not going to walk down the street chomping on a gourd like one of those because they, I've eaten them raw and, uh, and I actually took a bite raw and I never ate one again. Uh, but they have compounds in them that stimulate the bowel and so do herbs. So they're very similar in, their, in the way that they work. But uh, even herbs like senna and things like that, they're irritants. A lot of herbal medicine is a slight poison. So it's an irritant that you don't want to take repetitively. You take it in a pinch or something like that if you're traveling and like, you know, you're having some trouble because your circadian rhythm is messed up. You're not pooping. Like, take it sometimes. But, um, and, and they're natural, so it's good. It's not a chemical laxative. But the body can become dependent on it and it can irritate your body. Mm. Right? So where a colonic, you get stronger every time you do it. Mm -hmm. And when you do take an herbal laxative like that or any laxative like that, you're basically just relying on your body pushing out as much as it can, but it doesn't necessarily get to different gas pockets and different areas that a colonic therapist can open up and get through. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have any questions online just to alternate? I have a question. What's, this, what's the transit test? Uh, it's a, basically what it is, is a, um, it's you take something that should move through the body at a normal rate. That's a raw salad, steamed vegetables, and avocado. Right, so it's not too heavy. It's not like cooked like a lot of cooked food. It's not watermelon. You know what I mean? It's not like something that's going to zip through your body. Something that should move through at a normal rate. And then you take a big handful of sesame seeds and put it in, like more than you would ever garnish your food with. Don't eat sesame seeds before that. Don't eat sesame seeds after that. And then just watch and see what happens in the toilet. And wait until you see sesame seeds and look at how long you see them for. Because some people see sesame seeds for four days with every bowel movement, which means that things are like 
you know, not just coming through clean. So, and that's how you tell. And that's how you tell what your transit time is. Some people, see, if you see it within 12 to 28 hours, probably means you got a good transit. Doesn't mean you're not holding on to waste in different areas in your intestine, but the new stuff is moving through in a good rate, especially when you're putting in the right food like fiber, salad, steamed vegetables. We put the avocado in there because it's like fat, it's a little heavy, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not just pure, um, it's not just like pure raw food, you know, it's like it slows it down a little bit with the fat. So um, yeah, and that's how you do it. And that's what, took that, that's what took Natalia four days to see a sesame seed. Yeah. Because you'll never chew every one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I heard in one of your questions the term vibrational foods. I haven't heard that. Uh, that's kind of like a, a raw food term where it talks, it's basically talking about live food, right? So um, uh, when we cook something, it's completely dead, right? So it's, not gonna be, it's basically not contributing any life force to your body. You know, it comes from those kind of like lofty terms. It comes from what you ever see when they, when they take pictures of food with the uh, Kirlian photography and it'll show like the electrical energy of it. It's kind of cool if you Google it. Like, you know, you'll see like a kale leaf with like, like this like rainbow around it with all this stuff coming off of it. And then if you cook it, like it's greatly diminished. It still has a little bit of life to it, but like nothing. Yeah. And if you freeze it, it drops a little more. So there's a whole school of thought about food that raises your vibration, like high vibrational food meaning live food that, that contributes this life force to you rather than you having to put your enzyme potential in and bring back to life. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Michael. Uh, it's like when we eat a lot of cooked food, the reason like raw food is thought of as superior is because we don't have to bring it back to life. When we eat cooked food, and cooked food can be very healthy too, I eat some cooked food, uh, depending on how much it's cooked, for how long it's cooked, for what kind of food it is, your body has to then bring it back to life by uh, we have to put our enzymes into the digestion of it. And that takes away from our enzyme potential. And now brown rice and quinoa or like some baked potato, like that's fine. Like no one's gonna look back on their life and think they made a big mistake. But when we're eating a diet of heavy cooked food that the body's constantly compensating for, for years and years, 20 years, 30 years, that's, that's, why, that's where aging really starts to happen. That's your, you're constantly getting in the way of your body just wanting to live. When it was meant to eat raw food that digests easily, a lot of people think raw food doesn't digest easily because A, it makes them a little gassy and feels weird in the gut when they first eat it. That's a cleansing response and also we don't chew. As a colonic therapist, I'll tell you, nobody chews their food. When we look at the relatives, our, our ancient relatives, um, uh, we look at the great apes, all they do is chew all day. They have the same digestive anatomy and they chew and chew, they even juice. They call it wadging or waging or something where they take, a, they take different um, stalks and, and, and fruits, things that haven't been uh, softened for humanity through farming, like things that are really like fibrous, and they chew it and they chew it and they suck all the juice out and they spit it all out. Babies do that too. Oh, do babies yeah. do that? Yeah. <laughs> and then we learn over time. Yeah. Not to chew. Right. <laughs> um, any other questions? Yes. I have a question on supplements. You probably get this a lot, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, just for people who are eating a plant based vegan diet and having blood like Uh, I don't think everyone that needs to be supplementing, I try to supplement and I forget, but I forget like for years. And then someone asks the question and I go, 
when I go back to Vitality tonight, I gotta go pull some supplements off of our, out of our shop because I, I haven't been doing it for a while. I've had my, I actually intentionally didn't take supplements for years to have my blood work done uh, to see where I would be at. And uh, I was deficient in vitamin D. It was February in New York, right? So uh, um, the ones that are most important though, just to cover bases, this is what I tell people just to cover bases. The important ones for plant-based eaters, just because even if you don't think you need them, like I didn't need vitamin B12, I was totally in range. I took supplements maybe a hundred times over 15 years. I remembered to take the pill. Like I never, you know, I was totally in range. It was fine. That, there's actually a whole thing about B12. Our body produces its own B12 in a, in a very well-functioning, perfect system though. Not most people's bodies don't, right? That's why in B12 injections and sublingual and patches are, are superior, right? Uh, but um, the ones that I really recommend, B12 and D3, those are the most important. Most people should be taking them. There was, a, there was a, uh, an article that came out talking about how, uh, I forgot how many millions, like four million Americans uh, are B12 deficient. I was like, well, there's not four million vegans in this country. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, there's, um, it was more than that. I don't remember how, it was on, it's on my Instagram somewhere. I, have, I saved it in my stories. But uh, most people have um, an absorption issue with B12 taking it. Even if you're eating steaks and all these B12 rich animal foods, uh, B12 needs, uh, it needs to be, it's a very delicate vitamin and it needs to cross through. There's something called the intrinsic factor. There's a protein that grabs it, carries it through, brings it to where it needs to be in the body, uh, to be utilized by the body. And that's like destroyed in most people because it happens in the gut and most people have a compromised gut. So that's why you'll see a lot of athletes and people that eat very protein rich diets and B12 rich diets, they still need injections because that's what gets it up. Um, but B12 patches, vitamin D3, almost everyone gets vitamin D3 deficient, unless you're really living in the tropics, uh, unless you're not bathing a lot in the tropics, because we're not meant to bathe as much. Sometimes we can wash off what's happening as our body converts D. So they notice the more showers you take, you can even become um, uh, deficient in a sunny environment or during the summer. Don't shower on vacation. Don't shower on vacation, <laughs> just, just shower in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, shower in the ocean when it's time to go to dinner, and that's it. Uh, and I always say, hey, look, Take one of the raw plant-based multis for whatever you are, men over 40, women this, you know, whatever the thing is, take it. Because why, why not? It's a little pill. It's just gonna load you up in minerals. You know, which the, you're probably getting plenty of them with the diet, but take it. Uh, and then the other one is essential fatty acids. Okay, and that's for skin and it's for brain health. And I really like the algae products, the DHA products. You can get it through flax seeds, you can get it through purslane and like all these weird little avenues, but uh, it does exist a little bit in the plant world, but to get DHA, I like the algae supplements. I think it's a really safe thing to do, especially in vegan kids, yeah. especially the DHA supplements. There's somebody, I don't know if the product is good. Somebody made a B12, D3, and DHA omega fatty acid pill. Somebody else got it, like some, someone developed a product and they were like, yep, these are the essentials and they got it. Aside from that, that's about it. Like we really don't have to worry about most of them. Well, of course, everybody's different. Someone's going to test, like, I don't, I, I'm deficient in this or that. That always shows up. Sometimes a blood test isn't the most accurate thing. Sometimes it's a snapshot of what's going on that day. You know, um, when people are in a state of cleansing or fasting, if you have your blood work drawn, you look like you're malnourished. If a nu regular nutritionist or doctor saw the blood work of someone in the middle of a water fast, they think they were dying. But what they're looking at is a, is a process that needs to be interpreted as the body's improving. You're releasing all this acidic waste. Your body's burning up minerals in the process, but it's actually improving itself. So it's like a snapshot of what's going on. It's not always accurate. So you want to have a, a number of them done. If it's a serious issue, I'd have a number of them done. Yeah. I 
think that vitamin is called Ritual. If Ritual? I think that's the one. It's a great name for a vitamin. Other things, but it has that stuff in it, yeah. It's like yeah, very cool. Now, what's up? I'm so happy you came to say hello. Did you address glucose mining yet? No, we didn't get into any of that stuff there. Yeah, that's more of an efficiency thing, the food combining stuff. It's just more about digestive efficiency. So if someone's like, I eat and I feel tired, I eat and I get gassy, there's a way to troubleshoot through that. First thing is chewing, right? Most people don't chew. I'm like, you're gassy and you're eating plant-based food, it's because, or if you're eating raw food, it's because you're not chewing. They're like, oh. Chewing your smoothies and juices. Yeah, really good idea. Mix it around your mouth. If you ever come to our studio, you notice everyone's drinking juice and like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, talking to you and like chewing their juices. Um, so first, chewing is the big one. I like to simplify food combining. I think a lot of it is over, overthought. Uh, starches and proteins are not ideal to mix in a meal. The digestive secretions for each one uh, are different. They neutralize each other. They get in the way of each other. They dilute each other. And then what you have happening is you have food that's not digested moving through into the, through the small intestine, makes its way to the large intestine. and there's bacteria there, the microbiome, and the microbiome's like, what's up, cafeteria time, you know, and just eats it, trans- trans- uh, transforms it into gas, and then everybody's bloated, and they're like, oh, now I feel gross after eating that. All of our cuisine is built that way, because it makes you feel very full and heavy. But ideally, it would be like salad, big sweet potatoes, salad, quinoa, or salad, um, uh, some type of protein, you know, Beans and tofu and tempeh kind of fall in the middle of that, so it's that's always everyone's like, well, what is that? I don't need. Nobody knows, you know. It's like it's like they got they have they have plenty of protein. They have starch in them. They're definitely carby, but they're also high in protein. So it's like beans are a hard one to figure out sometimes with that. But mixes really well with vegetables. So everything mixes well with vegetables. Fruits are like the probably the one that most people should pay the most attention to on an empty stomach away from all other foods with the exception of some other fruits and raw greens. So green smoothies, you know, that works totally cool. Um, but once it gets complicated, like gar- fats, alliums, like garlic and stuff like that, that's gonna conflict with fruit. And the reason is fruit doesn't wanna hang out in the stomach. It wants to get absorbed instantly. The sugar wants to get absorbed instantly, get used up by the body, and that's it. If it hangs out in the stomach, like if you eat a bunch of strawberries for dessert after Indian food, the Indian food is going to sit there and it's going to take its time through digestion. Strawberries are going to sit on top. They got nowhere to go. It's warm in there. So you try to imagine chewing up a bunch of strawberries, spitting them in a bag, putting them in a 98 degree chamber, and coming back four or five hours later. They have bacteria all over them from the soil which is fine, it's good, but now you've created this medium where it's gonna ferment into alcohol and gas, and instead of getting used, you're now making alcohol and gas, and you have a fermentation vessel as a stomach. (laughs) Some people don't wanna hear any of this stuff, and they're like, I just wanna eat quality food, and it's fine, and I'm like, if you have no problems, don't let me tell you you're broken, but if you come to my office, and you're like, I'm bloated, or like, you know, my food repeats, or whatever, like, that's it, that's it. It's just an efficiency thing. We make it more efficient. And that's because there were less options when we were just walking the earth and eating whatever. That's why the digestive anatomy is so, it's so like um, simple and linear. Now we make everything in the world. We obviously can digest it. That's why I said it's a miracle we're still alive, the stuff that we eat, right? Uh, but, um, but we were meant for simplicity. So when we simplify it through the food combining, we have more energy, less gas, and that's why we use it, yeah. Yes. Can you talk about the role that sleep and rest plays in cleansing? Tremendous. So um, the, 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 
more clean our diet, the less sleep we need because there's less to clean up, right? So if I'm doing like a 24-hour day where until I get sleep or something like that, I eat almost nothing when I do it because I know that I'm going to pop up the next day feeling good, right? Um, that's where all the magic happens in the resting. So if someone's new into this, you got to sleep. You got to make sure you're sleeping because that's where it's all going to happen for you. Then you get to a place of efficiency where you can have less sleep because you're not polluting yourself. That's where we recover from everything we did the day before. When we wake up the next day with the awful breath and the big white tongue and the goop in the eyes and all like, when I, when I used to drink and eat diner food and fall asleep with like a bagel with like stuff and like you know, <laughs> the nastiness that used to come out of this end and that end and out of my skin, like it's because all that food is, is basically is rotting in the intestines and the body never cl cleanses because it's all this it's disaster management all the time. So it's tucking poison away. And then that little break of sleep is the only time that we're out of the way, and unless we eat and then fall asleep. But that's the only time. That's why, the, that's why, you know, it's a fast, break fast, right? It's the only time we get out of the way for most people. Uh, and that's why we're the most gross when we wake up in the morning. And the cleaner you are, the less sleep you need, and, you know, the less gross you are. Yeah, like, you know, like, my, like if I look at my tongue in the morning, like there's almost nothing on it anymore. It used to be coated in white stuff when I first started. And then when I would eat cooked vegan food, it was still kind of a little gross or whatever. You know, I'd be puffy and I'd have to blow my nose in the morning from mucus or whatever. And then as I get out of that, and out of the, then like all that goes away and you go, oh, wow. Like, so all that grossness from overnight is the body trying to cleanse and recover from what we did the day before. Where does the classic midnight snack urge come from? Where is that? That's, to for that's toxicity. That's the, that's the body calling for food unnecessarily for emotional or physical needs that aren't related to nutrition or what the body needs. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the ways that we figure out what, uh, like how toxic a client is, like how are we going to transition this person? We find out what they can do in the morning. So when they say, oh, no, if I don't have a coffee and like something heavy like bacon and eggs or a thing or it even, could even be vegan, like I got to have my croissant and my Starbucks coconut thing, whatever, need that in the morning or I'm like just a mess. Like we know that like they, that they are waking up in a state of incomplete detoxification, feeling awful and needing to stop that process. So getting out of the way opens up that process. Eating heavy food stops that process. That's why our culture is built on continental breakfast of things of like animal fat and cholesterol foods all day. It's like the worst thing to put in the body to start the day. It shuts down detoxification, but that's what makes you feel good, right? Because you stop the detox. Once you get through that whole process, you wake up, you don't want to eat anything. You know, all I had today was a cantaloupe and a juice and here we are. You know what I mean? I had some grapes and like here we are, you know, couldn't do that when I first started because I still had a lot of stuff happening where I had this urge to stop it. It's, a, it's like, a, it's like um, subconscious urge to stop the process. For typical people eating typical meals, what, when do you think we should end the last meal of the day? Ideally, well, ideally before the sun sets. Yeah. Nobody does that. I don't do that. I'm going to go back and have a salad tonight. Probably won't get back till 930, right? So um, ideally before the sun sets. And you want to create at least four hours between going to sleep and eating. That's ideal. Um, it's, yeah, there's not, a lot of things aren't ideal that we do. The, the digestive um, power starts to drop. If your circadian rhythm is in balance to where you are, if you're not flying all over the world and confusing it. But like if you've been in a place for a while, it's around noon to four. And then we're really supposed to stop having food. Nobody does that. People that do that, though, it, it's super efficient. 
super efficient. I, I just knew some people that weren't even into the cleansing life that like they would do that. And if they ate late, like they'd come to my, I had a party once in my house and this woman came that I knew from meditation and she was like, she's like, ah, you normally don't eat this late. The next day she was so hungover. She's like, Mike, I can never eat that late at your dinner party. If I come next time, I'm not eating. Cause she would normally finish eating around like two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, she was an older woman. So she was used to doing that, I guess for her life. She'd done it for her whole life. And like, um, yeah. So uh, ideally that's between noon and four, it's at its peak. So we should actually be having our heaviest meal, but we don't even wind down our day until 7, 38 o'clock, you know? I used to get home from work at like 10.30 when I had an apartment here in New York, yeah. But, so, now, de depends on what it is. Like, I, sometimes I know it's not ideal. For me, if I eat too late at night, I wake up in the morning, I might be a little mucusy or whatever, not to overshare, but after a great morning bowel movement, all of a sudden my whole head clears up and I'm fine, and I'm like, all right, my body kind of self-corrected itself, it worked out. Um, if the food's very heavy though, sometimes that could drag on and on for the day and it can make you feel gross and you want to try to change it. How do you, how do you deal with um, being social or like being out late with your friends and not, not drinking, not smoking, probably not eating what they're eating? Yeah, the, the food and dinner thing, the good thing is most people want it. Like, well, when Pure Food and Wine was around, it was great. But most people kind of want to do what I do, A, to make me happy because they're my friends, but they like the little adventure of it because it's so different from what they normally do. Um, there's a great place. My friend painted it. He's a famous artist. He, does, he did all these hotels. It's called the Pod Hotel on 39th. They have a roof deck. And I took all my friends there last week on Friday because I had to get together with them. They all drink and they all do it. You know, like, that's what they do. They all get totally drunk. And I just had water and I sat there and I talked to everybody and it's not a table so like they're not like saying like oh you're not drinking and getting annoyed that their table doesn't have as much revenue coming in you know um, and we're all just hanging out on this beautiful rooftop on the east side uh, with like you know like all like the little ball lights and the view of the uh, Empire State Building and everybody gets to drink and I get to have water and I ate before I left and it was great luckily in Oregon where I live now um, they sell they serve kombucha at like all of the breweries and all those like places. So I'll, I'll go there, I can go there with my wife and her friends and I could just like look like a normal person <laughs> and I could order something and have it. But yeah, it gets a little weird. Like I don't like when we all go out for Indian food, like I don't eat it. So I just kind of, I'm there for the people, you know? And I just kind of like, I don't need anything, but as long as I talk a lot and everybody knows my deal, then it doesn't seem to be a problem. But I don't, I, so that, one of the biggest keys to success with all of this is like, self-responsibility. I determine what's right for me and what makes me feel good. I don't care if they don't have the thing I want on the airplane. I don't care if they, the restaurant doesn't have what I want. Like, that's who I am and that's it and that's what I do and I do it consistently and that's like the key to all of it. The good thing is a city like this, there's so many cool places to go. Pure was the best because everybody loved the adventure of the meal and they had lots of great alcohol so like everyone was happy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. This was good stuff. Yeah, thank you. You know, the Q&A started on Snapchat when I started. Um, who, who here watches the Q&A stories that I do? Anybody watch them? Oh, good. Very cool. Um, before everybody leaves, by the way, I might make this into a podcast if my mic and everything worked good. Um, so I'd love to just get a shot of everybody hanging out here. So I'm just going to, I'll do that right now. But I started the Q&A on Snapchat and people just started messaging me questions and I started answering them late at night while I was opening Vitality. Then Instagram had the questions option. 
The first one I ever did, I was like, oh, I'm gonna move it to Instagram because you know, Snapchat started to die. It had its moment and then it was like 13 to 16 year olds only. So like, I, got, I got out of that. Although some people still message me on it. Uh, it's so weird. But, um, so I went on Instagram and I, and I opened it up. I was like, hey, I'm moving the Q&A to Instagram. And then I checked it in 15 minutes and there was no questions. And I was like, okay. Checked it an hour later, there was no questions. And I was like, oh shit, maybe they're not into it over here. And I got to go on my private account to save face and ask myself a question. This is embarrassing, right? And then like an hour later, we had 15 questions. And then, you know, and, and then it grew and grew. And now we get hundreds of questions every time I do them. And I try to get to as many as I can. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun. So I do those once or twice a week, usually on Instagram all the time. And that's where the Q&A concept came from uh, and seems to work really well. And I have fun doing it. It seems like everyone likes it. it. Yeah. So thank you for coming and doing this. It means the world to me. I'm so grateful that I can share this lifestyle that's been so incredibly valuable to me that I've not only built my career on it, but like it's how I live. It's it's we were talking on the podcast. Nicole was on the podcast yesterday. We were talking about how like just the act of juicing or shopping at a farmer's market or doing something like, um, or doing an act of self care. It's like a spiritual, it's like spiritual work to me. You know, it's just like, it's so much respect for the earth by not eating animals for my body. Like that's my spiritual path. That's my spirituality. So, so thanks so much for, and thanks so much for having me here. Yeah. Thank you everyone.